0: It wasn't pretty, but at the end of the day, Texas Tech got it done. They defeated Oklahoma 56-55 in the Big 12 Tournament Championship semifinal, and now they get to play Kansas tonight in the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City for a chance at their first ever Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship. We'll preview that game as well as take a look at the Oklahoma game and see what happened on today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Locked on Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and fillable on all platforms. I am Emery Lida. I am solo today, unfortunately, as Ryan had some sickness going on, but he will be back next week to continue doing all of our March Madness coverage, and hopefully, we'll be talking about a Texas Tech team that is able to win in the Conference Tournament Championship Final against Kansas, but first, we've got to talk about the Oklahoma game. It was a very eventful game, one that Tech really looked like they were going to be in control of and then kind of fell apart in the second half. We'll get into that in just a second, but first... This episode of Locked On Texas Tech is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props. Just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com/slash on. And man, talking about sharks, that was what Oklahoma looks like in the second half with a lot of aggressiveness defensively holding tech to really only 19 points in the second half on offense, less than 30% shooting. Their defense on the half court was sensational, only allowing about three baskets the entire second half from a half court. In total, They only allowed, us, allowed six. And really, it was a struggle offensively for Tech. I think that this was one of those games where you struggled to score in the half court. That was going to be apparent, especially in the second half. And Oklahoma made life difficult for you. Porter Moser did an outstanding job getting his team ready to fight and. It wasn't always pretty for them. I think in the first half, Oklahoma really struggled to get shots going down. You saw a lot of turnovers that continued into the second half. But on the flip flip side, they were able to really control the paint. They were able to get a lot of interior buckets. I think their cutting continue to be good. This is something we mentioned in the pregame podcast was just how good Oklahoma was at moving with all the basketball and that really showed in this game. So For Oklahoma, this was yet another showcase of what they can do. Again, we saw it in Norman. We saw that when Oklahoma was able to defeat Texas Tech in arguably one of their hottest stretches of the year. And we've seen that the team that has Emoja Gibson behind them, if he catches fire, they can beat just about anyone. And he had a good game tonight. We'll get into that in a little bit, but certainly... This was a very good win for Tech to get. And obviously, you're going to take them however you can get them in March. And certainly, there's a lot to be learned from this game. The offense in the second half was concerning. You went almost eight minutes without a bucket. That is not good in any case. But still, being able to weather the storm, come out of this with a victory, regardless of how it ended up looking, that's something that you have to take any day of the week. And really, I mean, this just continues to turn. It's something that Mark Adams is probably – Priding himself on, we saw in the Tennessee game earlier in this year. Wasn't pretty, got the job done. And then on the flip side, we've seen games like Oklahoma State where you were able to get in a rock fight and weren't able to close the deal. So being able to win this game against a quality Oklahoma team is something that's really nice, especially when you consider Oklahoma's really fighting for their tournament lives. I mean, let's be real. This is a tournament quality team in Oklahoma that should be playing, but unfortunately, their resume just doesn't quite stack up. They'd already taken 14 losses coming into the game. And they were coming off of a huge win against Baylor that even got them back really onto the bubble discussion, but just could not make things happen. And, I mean, this was a challenge for Tech. I think that Porter Moser had his guys ready to play. We saw their game play in the second half are really attacking downhill. It was a really smart strategy. I mean, they, went, they only went 10 to 21 from the rim, but they were able to get a lot of offensive rebounds, 14 or 15 to be exact, I believe. And of those, I mean, you had five that were – team offensive rebounds which kind of were fluky plays from Tech where they just lost the ball and that is uncharacteristic but at the same time I mean Tech was really limited on the glass this was one of the first times all year where they've been really out rebounded and not just by just a couple of rebounds but really by over 10 and it's a testament to how Oklahoma was able to play I mean they were dominant on the inside even when you're not counting the rebounds their ability to get penetration in the lane and get shots up at the rim was really impressive and I mean, if this game was called in a more tight way, I think it might have benefited Oklahoma. They could have gotten some more free throws, but still, being able to hold this offense and throw you to 55 points is impressive, even if they were able to get some good stuff going in the second half. And offensively for Tech, I mean, it continues the struggles in the second half. I mean, we saw this against Oklahoma State. We saw it against TCU. We saw it against Kansas State. This is a trend of this team starting out really strong and in the second half kind of falling apart a little bit. This one was a little bit different. I feel like the Lack of post-offense was something that was a change. We didn't see them just continuously going down to the post and trying to make that work. I think this was more of just a lack of confidence, lack of ball movement, and lack of player movement. And that's something that hopefully can get fixed ahead of tonight's game against Kansas at five. But it's also something that, I mean, if you have that happen in a tournament game and go cold for eight minutes, you can lose. But just being able to close out this sort of game against a team that was desperate for a win shows a lot about the resilience of the team. I think that should be the main storyline. I mean, this Tech team had every right to give up after they were down, after Emoja Gibson got got Oklahoma up three, but instead Davion Warren came up with some huge baskets. Obviously, we had Kevin McCuller, or excuse me, Kevin O'Banner hit a crucial three early on in the second half to stretch the lead to 11. We'll touch on a couple of individual players in a minute. But first... We've got a message again from Stat Hero. Man, do I love Marsh Madden. I love those brackets, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep or even won any money. So this year, I'm hedging my best with Stat Hero's NCAA Pick'em Contest. Stat Hero's NCAA single game pick'em pits star players against each other, an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always have to seem the, always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big shreds, long odds, or even funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, for resulting in gamers winning four times more often. Why is that? Well, stat hero exam- eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to our Pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can come through to f- to take on head to head. They simply post sets of players that for you to take on with a set of players that you choose. Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. So sign up for free right now at StatHero.com slash LockedOn and use promo code LockedOn for a 100% deposit match. That's StatHero.com slash LockedOn and use promo code LockedOn for a 100% match. Once again, that is StatHero.com slash LockedOn, promo code LockedOn. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Bracket Breakdown on March 14th, right here on the Locked On Texas Tech podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, our friend Andy Patton, and battening expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. And who is Tech going to face in the NCAA tournament? Well, we'll find out on Sunday, but for now you just have to look back at the game against Oklahoma that probably secured a three seed for Tech at a minimum and maybe puts them in contention for the two seed. And it was not possible without the efforts from a few guys. Namely, Kevin O'Banner stands out to me. He only ended up with 11 points, but went three to six from the three-point line, had a couple really critical threes, most notably in the second half. And Oklahoma had a little bit of rhythm early on in the half, and O'Banner was able to drain a three to to end up bringing the lead to 11 points. And for me, that was a critical point because Oklahoma did end up coming back in the game, but his three really kind of stalled their momentum for just a little bit. And if you look at the way that the game played out, even though Oklahoma eventually came back, it took them enough time that when Tech got back in the game, there was a short enough amount of time that basically Oklahoma didn't have time to potentially expand their lead. If Oklahoma had continued to kind of get into the lead for Tech it would have possibly led to them breaking away later on in the game. And so O'Banner hitting that three was critical. And in general, his facing I thought was really good in this game. Even when he wasn't hitting shots or when he wasn't taking them, the gravity that he sort of created, especially in the first half, really allowed for the offense to open up. And I think that's one of the keys. He's not going to be hitting shots every night. He's not going to be a 50% shooter all the time. But if he's able to space the floor effectively, it opens up driving so driving lanes. And when the guards are able to take advantage of those, it just makes the offense flow a lot more crisply. And another player that I really wanted to highlight in this one was Davion Warren. And I feel like the biggest thing for him was the four turnovers, and that was negative. But outside of that, he had a really good game. I felt like in the second half, he had a couple of really critical floaters that sort of stalled the momentum for Oklahoma and got it back onto Tech's side. And in general, as field is a ball handler in this game. He was able to hit timely shots, especially the first half. He was able to hit the contested fadeaway jumper right as the shot clock was expiring. And for Warren, this is something we also saw in the Kansas State game. His ability to sort of understand when it's his time to take over, when it's his time to be assertive on the offensive end. It's a smart offensive player for someone that kind of has the turnover issues that he does. And I think it just speaks to his natural scoring ability that he's able to kind of go through these spurts where he doesn't have high usage and then suddenly just come alive and have moments where he's able to be unstoppable and just hit those really difficult shots. I felt like the contested mid-range shot was difficult. And even the floater that he hit in transition in traffic is a difficult one to hit if you haven't practiced that and haven't, been used to that sort of shot throughout the flow of the game so big night offensively for Warren and defensively another three steal game that marks five of his last six games that he's had at least three si- three steals which is absolutely nuts for a guy that oftentimes doesn't even play more than about 26 or 27 minutes a night obviously tonight he ended up playing 26 on the dot but certainly for someone that doesn't play a ton of minutes to still be able to hit three steals consistently is ridiculous and Obviously, the Iowa State game ended up with three steals and only six in the first six minutes of the game. But in general, I mean, Warren is a pest defensively, and his on-ball defense is something the Tech has really utilized. And even his off-ball defense, I mean, one of those steals came from a post-up action, so it's a really good game from Warren in general. Other guys, Adonis Arms really had a nice game from a playmaking standpoint. Even if the stats don't show it, he still had five assists. The shot I'm a little bit concerned about, it's a one from three. I think that he struggled from three really since the beginning of conference play. But his playmaking has improved throughout the season. I think it's one of the most surprising developments over the course of the season. And just him being able to be an efficient playmaker is something that I really didn't expect coming into the season. So he ended up with nine points. Obviously had a couple of really nice finishes on drives and got to the free throw line a few times. And that's really about all you can ask for for arms. He played 32 minutes tied with O'Banner for the most in this game. And that was very important because having him as a studying, steadying ball handling threat, even when Tech was struggling with turnovers on the whole, that's something that I think you can look forward to in March. It's just having arms as a mature ball handling threat is kind of a benefit compared to what you expected coming into the season. I don't think you thought he was going to be one of your guys that would be a primary ball handler, but here we are. And, I mean, you have to say the results have look pretty good. A couple other guys. I mean, you have to look at Bryson Williams. He started the game out really well. Had I believe nine points in the first fifteen minutes and then kind of struggled in the second half. Shot wasn't falling. He had the one airballed three off of a nice TJ Shannon pass that so was unfortunate. But still found ways to not be a total liability. I felt like his passing was pretty good in this game. And I mean, the finishing and the shooting, you know this gonna come with Williams. He's shown over a thirty one game sample that he's a ridiculously efficient offensive player. So I'm not too concerned about that, but for tonight in particular, I don't think he had a particularly great game on the offensive end, and then beyond that, I mean, you've got other guys. You've got Clarence DiVolini who had a huge block in the end of the game and then followed that up by getting two free throws and really should have had the game-clenching rebound. I have a little bit of a gripe with that. I think that that wasn't a foul. The foul probably occurred on on Jalen Hill from Davion Warren a couple of seconds earlier, but... The rebound that Ned only got and then subsequent foul that they called against him on tenant where Jacob Groves got to shoot the two free throws, I thought was a little bit of a soft foul. But anyways, it only had a really good effort, I felt like, in the last minute. And it really, it's interesting that he only got seven minutes. I know he was dealing with a little bit of a thigh issue, if I remember correctly, but certainly something to keep track of. But as always, Clarence plays his hard out, and we really saw that on display. Even if he only ended up with the two points that came from the foul line, and then lastly, I will say TJ Shannon, the numbers don't really jump off the page at you. He only had four points, had three assists, one turnover. But really, for me, his playmaking, I feel like, has continued to take a nice step forward. And I know that hasn't always resulted in the stats or him being able to score a lot of points. But if he's getting to the lane consistently and making sure to draw attention from him towards him, And from others then that really opens up what tech can do offensively we saw it at the start of the half he had a really nice pass to bryson williams bryson williams then airballed the shot and in theory that doesn't look great but when you look at the way that shannon was able to recognize that the defender was coming off of williams and get that pass to him that's something that early on in the year or potentially last year two years ago tj shannon doesn't make that pass so It's nice to see his passing continue to develop. I think the finishing is going to come along, and he's going to have games where he's able to be more aggressive. Who knows? Maybe that will come against Kansas, but we're going to take a look at what Tech can do to maximize their chances against Kansas. But first, we have a couple messages from our sponsors. First off, take a look at Run Your Pool. Marsh Madness is literally only a couple of days away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual, or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here, and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or PickX. Both are really fun in their own way. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff that you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even game customers. Plus, they offer a full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. So if you want to play us for a shot at a cash prize up to $1,800, join us at runyourpool.com. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family enter pure madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All rules and details will be available there. Again, that's runyourpool.com slash lockdown for your chance to win a cash prize up to $1,800. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And the game for Texas Tech is going to be starting at 5 o'clock tonight against the Kansas Jayhawks in T-Mobile Arena in Kansas City. It's nice to be able to play in the conference tournament final, something Tech hasn't done since 2005. I was two years old when that happened, so suffice to say, I've never watched Texas Tech play a conference tournament final live. So it's nice to be able to be in that situation. And Tech's going to have their work cut out. I mean, Kansas is coming off two dominant performances against West Virginia and TCU. TCU, The TCU game, they really kind of exercised some of their demons from last week where they split the games against them. And obviously, West Virginia was a game that was probably more of a straightforward contest, especially after Bob Huggins got ejected. But really, this is a Kansas team that, like always, is really efficient on the offensive end. Bill Self has had them playing good basketball throughout conference play. They were able to split the conference tournament or the conference championship with Baylor, ended up winning the tiebreaker to be the number one seed in the tournament. And really, I mean, all the way throughout, they have looked good. I mean, the TCU game, they were. Ahead by double digits for most of that game. Really crisp offensively. Agbaje had 22 to lead them. And Mitch Lightfoot had a good offensive game. That's really surprising to me. Obviously, David McCormick as well, I thought, had a good first half of that game to kind of get things going. Just in general, when this Kansas offense is firing on all cylinders, they are very difficult to beat. So, I mean, if you look at their recent form, they've been playing pretty well. Obviously, they had the loss to TCU last week. Lost to Baylor right before that. And then they almost lost to Texas to end the regular season. But in the conference tournament, they looked really good. And this can be a tall task. I mean, Tech split the matchups in the regular season. They obviously had the first win at home against Kansas, which came with no Kevin McCullough and with no TJ Shannon. Obviously, if you remember that game, Clarence had only had a big, big night, as well as Bryson Williams. And then in the second game in Allen Fieldhouse, Tech was able to take them. All the way to the second overtime, it took a miracle three by Oshia Obagi to be able to tie that game up and send it to the second overtime. So you look at the matchups early on in the year, and Tech was almost right on the verge of sweeping them. So that has to inspire confidence, but at the same time, this is Kansas. This is the Big 12 tournament. It's in Kansas City. You have to figure there's going to be some form of home court advantage there. And with the way Kansas is playing offensively, they are like a well-oiled machine. The ball-handling it's really picked up. I feel like over the course of the last couple of games, you've seen really just their shot making has been incredible. Ag- agbaji continues to be scorching hot. Obviously, he's had a few cold games mixed in, but I mean, just the efficiency he's been playing within the Big Twelve tournament and throughout the regular season is something to behold. And the rest of this team is really dangerous. You've got Christian Brown, obviously, which we've seen has had some nice games against Tech in the past. You've had Remy Martin, who seems to be getting more healthy. You have David McCormick, who I'm well documented as thinking that he's kind of a liability at times when he's playing against Tech. You've got Jalen Wilson, who's really picked it up after having a brutally cold start to the season shooting. And then you've got guys like Mitch Lightfoot, DeWan Harris. Harris is obviously one of the better on-ball defenders in the conference. Joseph Yesufu is one guy that I want to highlight because he's been playing some more minutes as of late. And I think that out of all, we've already previewed Kansas twice. So a lot of these guys are household names that you're going to hear about throughout the broadcast. And obviously, like Baji's Big 12 player of the Year. you've got, Christian Braun, that has had good games. It's really kind of the Swiss Army knife for them. You've got McCormick, who has been their token big man the last couple of years. You've got Lightfoot, who's seemingly been there since I was a 10-year-old. And you've got just, in general, a lot of talented players. But Yusufu is one of the more intriguing cases. He's someone that got that transferred from Drake in the offseason – And really through the start of conference play, wasn't really playing a lot. We saw, obviously, in the first couple of matchups, we hardly saw him. He did not play at all in the second matchup in Allen Fieldhouse. Only played three minutes in the first matchup. But in this Big 12 tournament, he's been pretty efficient. Obviously, the TCU game only played 14 minutes, but he had three points, hit a three-pointer, had an assist. And... They rely on him a fair bit to just be an efficient offensive piece. And defensively, he brings a fair bit of intensity to that end as well. And he's, this is a guy that down the stretch last year for Drake, hardly came out of the game. I believe he played all 40 minutes on the tournament game against USC last year. So this is a guy that can really provide a lot of defense and offensive ability for them. And I just figured it was worth bringing him up. Alongside him, I also want to say that, this could be. This is going to be the last Big Twelve tournament game for Jalen Coleman Lance. and man, he's had a career. He's seemingly played. I believe he's. This is his seventh season in college, and his sixth season of actually playing. So for him to be still playing and still being an elite shooter like he is is pretty amazing. So this Kansas team is full of stories, and really the key to them is just going to be being disciplined on rotations. A lot like we said against Oklahoma, I think Tech did a decent job of that in the semifinal game of just not allowing Oklahoma to get a ton of open threes against Kansas. is going to be even more important because you've got so many different ball handlers and good shooters. This is, this is a roster that I think Porter Moser could do a lot with. And it's something that Bill Self has done a lot with and that they have so many different shooters, so many different ball handlers that you can just move them all throughout and make life really difficult for the defense. Obviously people are going to mention Agbaji. That's the number one key being able to track him down, make sure you don't give him open looks. But beyond that, I mean, whether it be Coleman Lands or Braun or even a guy like DeWan Harris, you've got to really just respect their ability to shoot or at a minimum handle the ball. And so this can be a tough game for Tech defensively. And offensively, I think the big key is just not getting stagnant in the second half. We've seen Tech start well offensively pretty much every game in the last five. But in the second half, it's like something changes, whether it be them just getting cold out of the locker room, the defense playing them more aggressively. I don't know exactly what's up, but whatever it is, it kind of throws them out of rhythm. And I just think that that's something that Tech's going to have to really address in this game because Kansas is going to be able to take advantage of that. They're known for making long runs. They're one of the most explosive teams in the country when it comes to those shot shot based runs where they go on 10-0 runs or 15-0 runs. And so to be able to have consistency, not allow yourself to get in those offensive funks that let Kansas get on those runs that's going to be the critical point of the game. If you do that, if you can make it into a rock fight of sorts or at a minimum a game in which there aren't really any runs, I think that favors you. I think if you look at what Tech was able to do in Allen Fieldhouse, they kept it at a five- or six-point game for most of the game. wasn't a great first half, but they really avoided letting Kansas take the knockout punch, and that's the key because we know this Tech defense has the ability to string stops together. We've seen it all season. And we know the offense has the individual talent to make things work. And so if you can make it down to being in those close possession games and just find ways to execute in the half court, you're going to have a decent shot of pulling this off, but it's all going to come down to just consistency because in that game in Allen Fieldhouse, that was when I felt like tech's offense was firing as consistent as they've been. And yes, guys like TJ Shannon and Kevin McCullough struggled in that game, but I felt like the looks they were getting were pretty decent. And That's the key. If you're getting good looks, if you're able to run the offense consistently, you might not win this game, but you're going to be able to keep stay in the fight and give yourself a chance. If you're being inconsistent, turning the ball over a lot, which has been an issue as of late 15 turnovers against Oklahoma, you had 20 against TCU, you had 18 against Oklahoma state. Those are not good. Tech has been one of the bottom 10 teams in the NCAA since February 20th. And when it comes to turning the ball over. So For them to get any better, they're going to need to be able to avoid those turnovers. So it's going to be one of those things where I just think the consistency that Tech plays with is going to be key. I mean, I think you're going to need a good night from Bryson Williams, obviously. You'll need Shannon and McCuller to have better nights than they did in the fog. And if you do that, you have a shot. But with that said, for the second night in a row, I'm picking against Tech in this one. I really hate to do it. I was wrong on the Oklahoma pick, but I feel like it was a close 50-50 game that thankfully went in Tech's favor. I think this one really just comes down to the advantage that Kansas seems to have in the T-Mobile Center. I mean, you look at it through the years, they've seemingly split most of the conference tournament championships with the Iowa State dating back to 2012-2013. And you're going to see a very pro Jayhawk crowd. You're seeing a team that's really been firing on all cylinders so far in this tournament. And, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game, but I just think that Kansas's offensive ability is really scary. And, I mean, I'm not – if Tech is able to come out and really have a consistent offensive showing and not have that second half letdown again, I think it's going to be a good time for the tournament because you can certainly lose this game and still have a nice run in the tournament. I think it's entirely possible. This Kansas team is one of the best in the nation, but I just think they're going to be a little bit too much for Tech in this game. So I'll go Kansas winning this one 73-69 and really it could go either way it wouldn't surprise me if we're raising the trophy on saturday night and we're getting to see a tech team that could possibly be a two seed in the tournament but regardless hopefully it's a fun game it's nice to be on the scene i think i bears repeating that this is really sort of uncharted territory for tech basketball we've only been in one conference tournament championship dating back to 2005 haven't won it so this is another potential opportunity for mark adams to do the unprecedented for this program And after a game that was a dogfight like Oklahoma, just being able to have a shot at a conference tournament championship feels really nice. So we'll see how it ends up. It's great to be here regardless. And it's still March, anything can happen. But we'll be back to cover selection Sunday results and just take a look at that Kansas game potentially on our next episode of Locked On Texas Tech. But thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. You can follow me on Twitter at Eraser41. You can follow Ryan at our Mainville He'll be back next week. You can follow our official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at LockedOnTTU, where we post episodes every single day. You can subscribe and follow us on wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate all the support we get, whether it be through likes, reviews, comments, suggestions even DMs, even people saying that I don't watch the basketball games. I appreciate all of it. It continues to allow us to learn and get better at what we do. So thank you for the support. We'll be back to cover the rest of March Madness. I'm really looking forward to covering the rest of this team. But thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every single day. We'll be back. But now, go make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft for Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker Bring the NFL Draft to life every day with inside analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we will be back on Monday.